Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Wrestle Life Radio, and this is the show called Indie Focus. This is the show where we sit down with someone who is working or has worked in independent wrestling, and we learn more about them. Hashtag support indie wrestling. My name is Matt Sin, and I'm here today, and you'll have to excuse my southern accent. So, Scotty, you tell me if, it's, if I'm mispronouncing it. Is it pronounced Scotty Rock, or is it like Rock? It's Rock, so yeah. Rock. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, this, I don't know if this Alabama boy is ever going to be able to get it like your, uh, your, your very polished UK voice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite call it polished. Um, quite northern <laughs> when I speak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, it's very, very nice. Um, so we, we want to learn about you, Scotty. Um, so I know that you, we're going to talk a lot about wrestling, but before we get into it, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am Scotty Rourke, and I'm 22 years old. Day to day, my what we what we like to call every year my shoot legit job. Uh, I'm a barman, so I work uh, in a pub uh, in, in the, my hometown. So I grew up in a little town called Cleethorpes, and it's just on the east coast of England. So I grew up by the sea, which has always been like absolutely lovely. Uh, but other than that, I am like a pro wrestler outside of work i am the front man of a band and in any free time when i ever get any uh, i like to skateboard really yeah I've, to be fair i've spent all day today at a indoor skate park in sheffield so that's really been, like, that's been really fun now i want to ask you about your band but let's talk a little bit about your skating how long how long have you been doing that uh i've started skating i picked up skating when i was maybe 13 or 14 so we're talking like eight, nine years ago, and I skated sort of constantly through the summers um, till I was about maybe sixteen. Um, oh wow! And then I just sort of like fell a little bit out of love with it. But I actually I picked my board up again um, through the UK lockdown. So when like obviously due to COVID nineteen and things, like the UK all went into like if it was like a four month lockdown. And they yeah. were allowing us to go out and get exercise and, and obviously have fresh air, but like that, it was no more than um, like two hours a day that we were we were meant to be out of the house and we couldn't drive anywhere to get the exercise. So I was just skating down the seafront um, for a couple of hours a day all through this summer, and it's been absolutely gorgeous weather, especially like for the UK. Like the, the weather over here yeah. is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> When my wife and I visited the UK last year, specifically in Edinburgh, like it, we went in the middle of July. So in Florida, it's like 30 degrees Celsius, right? Yeah. And we were over, and that's about 95 Fahrenheit because most of our listeners are American. And uh, it was like 50 degrees over there, which is like, I think that's like 15 Celsius or something, 12 <laughs> Celsius. Like it was, it was really cold in July. And I'm like, my wife is like, I need a jacket. And I'm like, it's July. Why do we need a jacket? None of this makes any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I believe that. I mean, through this summer, um, this year, we've had peaks of maybe 32 degrees Celsius. Yeah, uh, wow, like, that's really hot. It, yeah, it's been, it's been a warm one. But like, you can guarantee sort of throughout the year, it doesn't get much hotter than maybe 16, 17 degrees so yeah that's just i was wrong by the way it was it was 10 celsius in in july yeah so, i can believe yeah, that. <laughs> it's just crazy to me man 
But uh, I've never really been up north, even in the U.S., so it, it was just very strange to be in the dead of summer and for it to be so cold. Yeah, you get the, you almost get the blaring sort of glaring winter sun, but through the summer. So like you've still got yeah. that, you've still got that cold, but it's it's bright outside. It's very deceiving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, as far as your skating goes, can you do any tricks or anything? Uh, well, I've actually, as I say, I've been at a, an indoor skate park in Sheffield today, and uh, yeah. I had a couple of clips from my buddy. Um, just uh, like I was hitting sort of like fifty fifty grinds and. Managed to land a, a boneless to tail stall on one of the half pipes there, so I was I was quite like smug with myself. I was buzzing. That's awesome, dude. I could uh, not even do a proper ollie when I was a teenager, so <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> you got me beat just uh, a little bit. Yeah, no, genuinely, I, I like I'm. I sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but I feel like I'm so much better now, even after like the sort of four year break that I had than I was back then. Yeah, I think it's I think it's about having the bottle like to do things. Okay, I got you. So let's, uh, before we get into wrestling, tell me a little bit about your band. What kind of music do you play and where can we listen to you? Uh, so I've, I've, I've been very sort of musical, like all of my life. Uh, mm-hmm. I started playing guitar when I was sort of 10 or 11 and uh, started up. It was a little pop punk band when I was like 14 with a few friends from school and it was quite cute. We played like youth centers. Um, so I've, uh, I've been sort of in local bands um as I say, since I was sort of a teenager, but this band, like, it seems to be really taking off. It's got quite a lot of momentum behind it. We're a we're a band called Orphan, but it's with a V, so it's O R P H V N, uh, and we're like a heavy metal sort of metal core band, and I'm the front man, so I'm doing all the sort of screaming and shouting and fun bits. That's quite intense. That's really cool. We'll post that in the comments below if you're if you're viewing this on Facebook. So make sure you check that out and you can listen to his music. So you said, and we can find you on basically anything, right? Spotify, Apple Music, all that kind of all that good stuff. I know you have a YouTube channel because I just pulled it up while you were talking. Yeah, yeah. So we're uh, we're on all good. We we like to advertise that we're on all good streaming services. So anywhere, yeah. anywhere that doesn't have us, like we don't rate it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. I think we're on like Google Play, uh, but yeah, That's YouTube cool. as well. Like it's 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 really sort of positive, and we've released two singles this year. Um, we we only started the band in sort of February time, and we've released two singles through the UK lockdown, um, which has been like sort of super productive. And we're looking to yeah. get another single out with a music video by the end of this year. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's super cool, man. I'm super excited to check it out when we're done. Thanks. So let's uh, let's get into some professional wrestling. Wrestling. Love it. Wrestling. Some professional wrestling. That's what we say <laughs> in South Alabama. <laughs> so <laughs> um, did you watch a lot of wrestling when you were a kid? I did. I watched so much wrestling when I was a kid, like an unreal amount. So when I was really young, I don't know, did you guys have Cartoon Network over in the US? Absolutely we did, yeah. yeah. So Cartoon Network would finish at about 10pm and it would go straight to WCW. And like that honestly blew my mind. So I'd go from watching like Courage the Cowardly Dog uh, on Cartoon Network straight into watching like Buff Bagwell and Scott Steiner. And, and WCW Nitro, and it was like it was the best thing I'd ever seen when I was like really young. Um, <clears throat> and obviously through sort of growing up a little bit, like I when I was a kid, I collected so many wrestling figures. Yeah, uh, me too. 
my, my first uh, like my first two wrestling figures I remember vividly were WCW figures. I had a Goldberg figure and mm-hmm. Mike Awesome. Mike Awesome was your second figure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the WCW version of Mike Awesome is even better. Yeah, it was brilliant. And obviously I, I was only sort of like four or five, so I, I didn't know like if, if these guys were like a big deal or obviously I knew they, yeah. were, they were on the TV, but it was like, oh, I've seen that guy on TV and, and now I've got his yeah. figure. But yeah, looking back and it's like Mike Awesome was my second ever wrestling figure. <laughs> That's absolutely hilarious, dude. I had so many WCW figures too. I only had like one or two WWF. Like I think I had Bret Hart and maybe like an old Macho Man or something, but I collected a bunch of them, and I still have them somewhere. I just couldn't tell you where they are. They're probably somewhere in my parents' attic, I would guess. Yeah, mine are all in my mum's attic. All, yeah, all exactly. In a big, like big clear container. I think I like yeah. from growing up. I must I must have pushing sort of four or five hundred figures. Just from oh man, I thought I had a lot. I probably had a hundred. There's no way I had four or five hundred. That's crazy. Yeah, I think me and my little brother sat and we counted them out one day, and it was it was it was in the four hundred somewhere. It was it's ridiculous. Wow, that's insane. So when you were a kid, who were some of your favorite wrestlers? Um, so I went from watching WCW where like uh, some of my favorites, I loved Sting. I, I, I was obsessed with, with Sting at one point, like just the face paint, yeah. look, everything about him. Um, but my mum really liked Goldberg. Uh, yeah. My mom and she won't mind me saying this. She always had like a massive crush on Goldberg. Really? Um, yeah, and Kevin Nash. My mom loved Kevin Nash, man. Yeah, like, my mom real. loves Kevin Nash, big sexy. So like, Kevin Nash and Goldberg are two very different looking guys, though. <laughs> they really are, aren't they? Like, I feel like yeah. there, there needs to be some middle ground there. Right. Uh, I, I loved I loved watching um, Sting and Nash Goldberg, uh, but. I really liked the cruiserweights and stuff. So like people, like oh, yeah. obviously Ray Mysterio Jr. when when he was in WCW, um, and like Jericho when he first started in WCW. But yeah. then I started watching WWE, and like it, it was a complete like game changer. I like I started buying yeah. the, the video games on the PlayStation Two. Um, so I grew up obsessing over tag wrestling. Yeah. So I loved and i was in absolute awe of the hardy boys and um i remember spending a lot of time at school on youtube watching uh dx videos but yeah it was, it was the second birth of dx you know when they were all pg because obviously i was like i'm only 22 now so i don't remember like the original sort of right like, <laughs> going against authority but yeah it was the like the pg dx i remember watching a lot of that yeah wow you must have watched like the tail end of wcw2 because you were born in 98 right 97 97 okay so you'll be 23 this year yeah so because the the prime wcw years was like 96 through 99 i think they actually went out of business in 03 so you must have been really little when you were watching them yeah, like I'm, I'm talking. I was like three or four when when I was like sort of sat on like my parents' lap watching WCW. Wow, so you were basically raised on professional wrestling. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's genuinely like it's 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 been something that sort of stuck with me, and I, I feel like it molded me a little bit. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, so I went from that to watching WWE and some of my favorite wrestlers were, I never realized until I sort of got into the business in regards to like baby face and heels. So I remember being sort of maybe eight or nine and hating edge. Like I hated edge with a passion. But now that, like, obviously I've grown up and I'm, I'm in the business myself, like, I can yeah. I really look back and I appreciate, like, what a good heel he was. Because, oh, he was amazing. Like, to make me genuinely despise him, like, he was doing <laughs> such a good job. <laughs> WCW Jericho was that for me. I was a little kid, and when he read off the list of 1,003 holds against Dean Malenko, yeah. I just wanted Dean Malenko to tie him up in a pretzel and let him never be undone. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> oh my gosh. So what uh, what lit that fire into you to make you actually want to join the business? So obviously you've been a fan basically your whole life. Yeah, I have. Um, so it's, it's a funny story really. Um, I stopped watching wrestling when I was in secondary school. So like 11, 12, would you guys call that high school? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I stopped watching wrestling when I went. I started going to high school because it's not seen as cool right so like i didn't i didn't want to be like the little, the little sort of nerdy loser kid that, that right. still watches like wrestling on the telly and still collects figures and, and stuff but even though like it was always there at the heart but i started um, martial arts when i was around that age okay um, and it was like a freestyle martial arts so it started out as kickboxing but it had elements of Aikido, Bagua, a screamer, Kali, um, like jujitsu, all sorts of like different sort of things tied into a syllabus. Yeah. Um, and I, <clears throat> I got my black belt when I was sixteen, and like the six months leading up to getting my black belt, I I turned around to like my mum at the time and I was like, I'm seeing it through. I'm getting my black belt, and once I've got that, I want to start wrestling training. And and that was it. Like I've I've just not looked back since. That's really awesome. That's super cool, man. So where did you actually where did you train to become a wrestler? Um, it was so obviously uh, a little town, Cleethorpes that I've grown up in, uh, my hometown. It's like there is no differentiate between Cleethorpes and Grimsby. So Grimsby's like. A little, well, it's like a, it's an old fishing town, but it's it's pretty backwards. It's pretty stuck in like I'd say stuck in the sixties. Like it's not progressed. <laughs> yeah. But it was a, a wrestling academy that was based in Grimsby. They okay. ran a show in the middle of uh, Freshney Place Shopping Centre when WWE brought out WWE Thirteen, the video game. Okay. So I was in town with some of my friends. I think we were skating at the time, actually. So I, I was skating through town, and we went inside to get a drink. And there was this wrestling ring set up in the middle of the shopping center. And I was like, "What is going on?" And all of my friends were there, sort of like mocking, like, "Why? Why are you in awe of this? Like, it's." I got a lot of like, you know, it's fake, right? And you know, it's all it's all just a pantomime and things like right. that. But um. I stayed and they were doing a match on the hour every hour for four hours and I made sure I went back to 
watch those matches every hour on the hour. Wow. Um, and they were handing out leaflets, basically saying that like you could go and get a discount from WWE 13 at one of the local game shops. But also yeah. on the back of the leaflet, it was like, do you want to become a pro wrestler? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, it was like, it was leafleting and advertising. And, and as I say, that was sort of for WWE 13. So that's seven years ago. I'd been 15. Yeah. So yeah. that would, that would have started when I was 15 and the six months leading up to getting my black belt at 16. That's when I wanted to start wrestling training. That's crazy. And you guys graduate secondary school at 16, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you basically graduated and then immediately started wrestling training. Yeah, almost immediately after passing my GCSEs. <laughs> wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. That's it... really cool. So tell me a little bit about training and tell me about the school. Um, how, how did you, when you first walked in, how was it? So uh, like it was, it was sort of run in a... Um, like a little community center. Okay. And it was a very, very low rise ring. We're talking maybe a foot and a half off the ground. Oh, wow. And it was like, it was like a junior sized ring. So it was like a foot and a half off the ground and it was 14 foot from corner post to corner post. Okay. And obviously like, just to put that in perspective, like WWE rings, they're 20, 22 foot rings. Okay. So like 14 foot training a 14 foot ring like it was always really like battered home about ring awareness because we had such a tight knit right. space. Yeah. Um so yeah it, it was it was quite like I want to say intimidating but also yeah. it, it was kind of like well this seems really little. <laughs> right. <laughs> um and there was there must have been like I don't know uh 20 to 25 students um a lot of them that had been there like for two or three years but a lot of them that were like brand new sort of fresh faces fresh starters okay so it was quite like it was a nice mix and you got to work with people of like different experiences um but yeah it was it was <laughs> my first session was interesting i'd say so i didn't okay. have any I didn't, I didn't have any knee pads at the time okay so he brought us all in. He like we did. We did the warm up. We did the the cardio, the press ups, the sit ups, um, and then he took us in the ring and we did like rolls. So break rolls, forward rolls, backward rolls, um, and then we went through bumps. So I took my first ever back bump, and I mean it. I wouldn't say it was it was terrible, but yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the cleanest. Um, so yeah, right. went, went through went through bumps and stuff. Uh, but he was running it like drills. So you because there was quite a few of us, you'd start on the outside, you'd baseball slide into the ring. So under the bottom rope, you'd baseball slide in, you'd take your bump, you'd roll out, and he and he wanted us to do that three times. So I rolled, uh, I slid in, took my bump, rolled out, slid in again took my bump, rolled out, slid in the third time, went to stand up and just buckled. And what I'd done is as I slid in to the ring, I'd knocked my kneecap like out of place on the oh steel gosh. beam of the ring. So as I stood up, I just crumbled and I was in like absolute bits. 
So my coach at the time turned around and he was like, oh no, you've Kevin Nashed yourself. And I was like, oh dear. <laughs> okay. I was like, we, like, can, we, can we say that? <laughs> so That's incredible. I had to, I had to sit out for, for the majority of the, that session, that first one, but like, it didn't discourage me. Like it's, it's, it's strongly a case of, you know, getting back on the horse that booked you off kind of thing. And if you don't get back on the yeah. horse, you'll be terrified for the rest of your life. Yeah. Wow. So that wasn't like a major injury though. You were able to come to the very next training session, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like it wasn't anything like detrimental or anything. It was it was just it was knocked like a fraction of an inch and sort of maybe niggled me for three or four days, but like the week after I was back at training. I gotcha. Okay. Well that's not too bad. No. It just happened to happen on your very first night. Oh yeah, like I think I was more embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, like, like how do I mess up sliding in the ring? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet it happens more often than you think, though. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I imagine there's a lot of sort of um, mess ups that happen that a lot of us aren't aware of. Uh, oh yeah, like backstage or in front of a live crowd, but like people are trained to recover things so well that. Like, even if you think for a split second, was that, like, that looked a bit gammy. They've recovered right. it already, and, and you're already digesting what they're onto next. So, like, you don't remember, like, the sort of, the bits that you think maybe went wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So, tell me about, before a match starts, do you have any, like, rituals that you do? Maybe something you do before every single match? Um, well... It it depends where the show is really. So I've I've been booked well over the last year. I've been booked up and down the UK. Um, okay. But so obviously if if uh, if I'm booked sort of outside my hometown, then it's like you you drive to the show, and you turn up, and usually the ring is either already built or half built. So you just crack on sort of with the team, and and you shake your hands and and you say your hellos. We call it doing the rounds. So you walk right. into the locker room, you see all the other workers, you shake everyone's hands, um, you crack on with like building the ring if it's not already done. But other than that, you sort of chill out. Whereas when we run shows in my hometown for the promotion that's British Wrestling Revolution, uh, yeah. we sort of <clears throat> we founded. So it kind of all ties in a little bit. So the training school that I first started at kind of vanished. Um, the coach just, I think he lost the love of the business and yeah. up sticks and just moved away. So there was a lot of... Without like, telling anybody? Uh, well, like we, we kind of knew what was happening, but it was a little bit like, what do we do? Um, so there, there was a lot. There was a lot of... Um, sort of Grimsby and Cleethorpe's based wrestlers and workers that were still hungry for wrestling but had nowhere to go. Yeah. So we just, like, there was a few of us that sort of, there's a few core of us that put the ideas together um, and this was happening around the same time that I was moving away to university. So I'd have been, like, 18, nearly 19. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there was a few of us that sort of put our heads together and we were like, well, sod it, let's let's start a promotion. And thus, yeah. BWR was born and we've been running for three years now. 
So there's a lot of yeah. us that have sort of put like our heart and soul into this company and this promotion, and it's it's it feels like home. So with with that, I feel like there's a lot more responsibility from like the hometown lads. So if it's a show for BWR, then prep for show day will start two three days before. Wow, so you got, it, it must be pretty cool to run your own promotion. Do you enjoy it? Uh, well, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not the the promoter. I'm not the runner. But yeah, I was but one. Work, I was just one of. You work the, with it, right? You help. Found yeah, it. yeah. I mean, like, some of the some of my best friends are like well to do within this sort of promotion. Um, but yeah, like it's it's just a case of like I've I've sort of been there from the beginning. Like, there's there's sort of a core few of us that have built it from the ground up, and it's like our little baby. But, That's uh, so cool, man. No, like, like so. It, it's very, it's very sort of family orientated, and there's a lot of a lot of workers that that work for bigger promotions that have turned around and said that we really sort of know how to look after staff and workers, and they've never been to a promotion before where it's felt more like a family, and that's like really that's great. nice. But that's people yeah. that have that, that's people that have travelled the world, man. That's people that now work for NXT UK that have yeah. been part of our shows and experienced the family sort of bond that we all have, and it's just it's amazing. That's really great. I think that's really important in a wrestling locker room, and I think that after you know all the speaking out and everything stuff that has been going on over the last three, four, six months. I think yeah. and hope that a lot of uh, indie locker rooms are going to be moving closer towards that idea that everyone is a family. Yeah, I would I would certainly hope so. Uh, the way I've always described it is like I see a wrestling show almost like I would see my family at Christmas. So, you know, yeah. sort of like that week between Christmas and New Year where you see your aunties and uncles and distant relatives that you only ever see once a year or a couple of times a year at most so a wrestling show for me when you turn up to the locker room it's like seeing your family it's like seeing all all of your your cousins and distant relatives all come together and it's it's just it's such a lovely bond that we have backstage and i feel like that's across the board i feel like that at at most promotions i work at to be fair like just turning up to a show and seeing so many happy familiar faces that you hope to god are happy to see you too (laughs) that's really cool man that's a really cool story to hear i'm glad you shared that yeah so let's go back into your very first match ever in front of a crowd and i want you to tell me how that went (laughs) (laughs) oh dear so um i'd been training this is gonna sound like sort of absolutely ridiculous i'd been training three months that does not sound like long enough no it it certainly wasn't (laughs) i can tell you now it certainly wasn't yeah uh i'd been training for three months before i was put on my first show Wow, that's 
awesome though that 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 means one of two things that means you either did a terrific job or they really needed a body one or the other <laughs> it's it's the latter it's the latter of the two. <laughs> oh my god it was well scotty can bump and that was about it <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! How how did it feel walking through the curtain? Oh, honestly, it was nauseating. Like the first time, yeah. because I, I so <laughs> I I felt like I was obviously quite rushed. It was a couple of weeks before yeah. the show and and the the gaffer of the sort of small hometown like training school. It, it was a it was a training school show, but like they used to make them feel like they were big deals. Yeah. So uh, the the owner of the little training school turned to me and was like, you need wrestling gear. And I was like, what? And I was like, what, what, what do you mean? And he was like, well, something that you, something a bit showy, something that you wouldn't mind being in front of a crowd and, and something that, you know, wrestlers wear. And I was like, uh, right. Okay. <laughs> and obviously I was 17. Like I, yeah. I, I didn't have a lot of money. Or at that point, time to get any wrestling gear made. Yeah. So I looked at people like Raven. Like yeah. I looked at some of the hardcore dudes from ECW and stuff, and I was like, these guys are wearing jean shorts and ripped t-shirts. <laughs> and it worked for them. And I was like, so so that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> So that was it. I was straight up in my room and I wrestled my first match in a pair of like tartan plaid punk shorts <laughs> and a Metallica t-shirt with the sleeves ripped off. That's amazing. <laughs> Trust yeah. me, it's not. <laughs> that is so amazing. I absolutely love that. Do you still have the Metallica shirt? I do. I do. <laughs> That's great. That's really bad. But yeah, I do. Um, I think it's buried somewhere, uh, but I, I certainly have it somewhere. Um, but how, yeah, so I was... How the match I was, go? I was put in a tag match. Okay. Um, and I wrestled... Um, there was me and my tag partner who'd been doing it sort of like, well, a lot longer than I had at the time. Um, so he could sort of cover my ass a little bit. And then yeah. it was two lads in masks and like full almost like karate geese so it was it was uh so the the masked lads were working heel and i i was working babyface so i came out of the curtain and saw the crowd and didn't show out <laughs> i just sort of saw the crowd turned my head away and i was like oh god what am i doing here <laughs> I was just like, one of these things is not like the others. I shouldn't be exactly. here. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the match, I wouldn't say it ran smoothly, but we got through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's all that matters. Uh, were the were the heels, were they more experienced guys? Yeah, they were, they were a lot more experienced guys. Um, okay. Luckily, they worked a lot with the lad that I was tagging with. So, like, the experienced lad that I was tagging with. I just got in there and, and like, threw a couple of moves. I maybe hit a clothesline and a bulldog. And 
possibly one of the worst drop kicks you've ever seen in your life. But yeah, but I think that was about it. To be fair, yeah, um, you were, you were still young at the time. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it was like it was just it was a case of I was told that I was going to be in my first wrestling show. And so my mum found out and invited all of my family down there. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool, man. So let's move to, from your first match to your favorite <clears throat> match. And I want you to tell me your absolute favorite match you've ever had and tell me why it was your favorite. Oh, so um, up until recently, I, I was... Um, affiliated with a tag team um, so I've, I've worked a lot of, of tag matches over the past sort of 18 months to two years mm-hmm. and we've gone and you and... love tag team wrestling right yeah yeah that was like one of the things that I was obsessed with as a child so to have like a yeah. tag team and it was a lad that I really really got on with um, like even behind the scenes as well like he, he quickly became one of my best friends um, yeah. which is amazing for wrestling to, to bring people together like that uh, and we travelled the country together, like we've done shows all over the place. But um, uh, we did a like we did an over eighteen show in November, and we had a ladder match for um, BWR's tag team titles, and that was that was really really fun. But I'd have to say my yeah. my favourite match, maybe ever, was when. Um, we wrestled uh, grizzled young veterans. Oh, the NXT UK guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. We wrestled that's, that's the, an awesome opportunity. We wrestled grizzled young veterans, uh, James Drake, Zach Gibson. Uh, yeah. But before we wrestled them, I'd actually been training at their training school in Liverpool when I was at university. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, their training school, Fighting Spirit. I would, I would hand on heart say one of the best training schools in the uk um yeah but yeah we like so i trained there for like i think five six months when i was at uni and then i moved home and fast forward a a year 18 months or so and yeah i I got to i got to wrestle the pair of them and it was it was it was nice it felt like a full circle it felt like it had like completely come round, and obviously it was it was not long after they'd won the first ever NXT UK Tag Team Championships, and me and my yeah. tag partner, we were like we were the British Wrestling Revolution Tag Team Champions. Yeah. So it was this big deal. It was champion versus champion. It was billed as like like the the, the grizzled young veterans versus these up and coming two youngsters. Yeah. Um, but not only that, like in the back of my head, it was like well. I'm wrestling my coaches as well, so it, it was it was quite nerve wracking in that sense, and I I found it I was I was actually quite nervous um, leading yeah. up to it because it it felt like well it didn't just feel like it was a massive deal, uh, but I really really enjoyed it, and like they are absolutely wonderful guys, grizzled young veterans, like yeah. I've I've got so much time for them, and and they had so much time for us like backstage after the show after our match um it was lovely it was really nice but yeah we actually beat grizzled young veterans wow uh, so you went over in that match that's awesome 
Yeah, yeah, we went over, <clears throat> and uh, it I, it was it was mad because we didn't actually know that we were going to go over until maybe like an hour before, because we oh, wow. we we didn't know. Uh, obviously, like to do with NXT contracting, whether they were like actually allowed to go under. Right. So it wasn't until we'd had that conversation as to whether like what was actually going to happen. Yeah, but it was really cool. Oh, it was it was a super super like immense learning curve, and I appreciated that very very much. Yeah, I bet. Wow, that's a that's really cool. And you and your tag team partner, you guys were the the Rock and Coal Express, right? And I'm assuming the name is a play off the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah, yeah. So we were we were sort of two young, up and coming like cheeky chappies, a little bit tongue in cheek. We made, um, we basically tried to make puns from everything. So we had, so we, we were the rock and coal express, obviously Mm -hmm. a play off the rock and roll express. We had t-shirts, rock and coal, baby. Yeah, exactly. We had, (laughs) we had Adam Cole, baby ripoff shirts. Uh, we did a, Oh, it was like a it was like a city skyline um t-shirt and it said we built this city on rock and coal that's um, awesome we had simpsons merch printed as well you know the scene in the simpsons where uh, reverend lovejoy is like hmm this sounds like rock and or roll so we yes. had we had this sounds like rock and or coal t-shirts made so we, we found amazing. a way to like put ourselves in anything and everything just with like the pun and taking everything from it. So like yeah. they, we were a little bit tongue in cheek, a little bit sort of close to the mark at times, especially with the Adam Cole ripoff merch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, we had fun. We had a lot of fun with it. That's super cool, dude. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to know about your character. Has Scotty Rock, has he changed over the years or has he always been kind of the same guy? I'd say he's certainly developed um, from from being that sort of shy kid in plaid punk shorts to, to who I am now. It's certainly been a journey. So I've always, I've always considered myself a little bit of an underdog, just purely like well to look at me i'm i'm what i'm five foot six yeah and i'm like 160 pounds so i'm not a big guy but which in america that translates to 160 pounds no it's not it doesn't that's not like money oh yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's a bad joke i'm sorry you, you just move right on past that, that, went, that went straight over my head that i'm not gonna lie <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah, I, uh, I had to develop my style around sort of being that underdog. So I've, I've sort of adapted and become quite daring, quite high risk, but also like, like my style's very cruiserweight. So it's a lot of sort of fast paced, uh, dives and springboards and moonsaults and just like some some real sort of like flashy stuff but it's all to try and topple my opponent because they're usually a lot bigger than i am 
yeah. um, which, which let's let's face sense. it, isn't hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I've I've, well, I've developed that. Um, but yeah, I'd say I've I've even like through through lockdown and stuff like my head has just been constantly turning because obviously we, we couldn't train we couldn't run shows or anything so uh like coming back to to wrestling next year i feel like i'm 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 a completely changed person now as to what i was when i last wrestled as well so i was <laughs> i'd been described before uh that when i wrestle i come across like a kid who's had too many skittles <laughs> Like I'm, I'm very, very energetic, but my limbs yeah. are everywhere. Like, <laughs> um, and I feel like <clears throat> when I come back next year, it's it's going to be like the same amount of energy and the same amount of intensity. But I feel like I'm going to come back a lot harder and less like that kid that's had a lot of e numbers and more like a grown ass man that's got something to prove. Right. Well, that's really great, man. And and I'm, I'm I know that you're very much looking forward to getting back in the ring on a regular schedule again. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I miss it so much. Yeah, I bet. I've interviewed a lot of people over this COVID pandemic. Matter of fact, I I've, I've only done like a, an episode or two before COVID even started, and uh, everyone is super stoked and super ready to get back in the ring we've got to figure out a safe way to do it right yeah i mean at least at least you've caught a good time to to be able to interview everyone because i mean that's actually true people have extra time people can't sit around and be like oh sorry man i'm on the road like no you're not you're at home (laughs) (laughs) can't lie to me i know the truth Um, (laughs) so i know you worked as a baby face because i actually got to see some of your youtube stuff um, have you worked as a heel as well? And if so, which do you prefer? Yeah, I've worked heel. Um, so there was a, a sort of a cross promotion, almost like invasion type angle that led to this big blow off show. Um, okay. So it was Rise, which is a company based out in Leeds area uh, versus BWR. So when rise attacked the bwr boys like we were the baby faces but then when we went back over and attacked the rise lads like obviously in front of their home crowd we were the heels yeah and so they're an over 18 promotion primarily they do a lot of uh like hardcore shows and uh, the main events are usually death matches um but going over there and like being able to basically just say what you want over a microphone or like get in the face of of fans and and just just be a dick like yeah (laughs) there's there's something that's shockingly therapeutic about going out there and just being a horrible person (laughs) (laughs) because day to day like in my in my real job I work behind a bar, so I'm all smiles and what can I get for you? Like pulling pints and having banter with the, with the punters that like outside of work sort of, well, if it, if it wasn't for me being there, like I wouldn't necessarily be with them outside of work. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to say, 
I'm not going to sit here and, and, and slag people off because a lot of the people that I do work with and that do come into the pub have become my friends and have become like a bit of a second family to me. But right. as I say, like I'm, I'm all happy and smiles all day, every day. And yeah, people and the general public can be unbearable. Yeah. So dude, I work, I've worked in customer service for 16 years. So you don't have to tell me anything. Like I, I totally get it. And, and I don't think you're saying anything rude at all. No, thank you. But yeah, so like <laughs> if it, if it's not for like sort of the select few regulars that come in, I have zero time for like yeah. the general public that that come in. I I've got to because I'm paid to be nice, but like at right. the end of the day it's it's not like it it is a front and I am getting paid to be there. So <laughs> yeah, True. 100%. So um <laughs> going back to wrestling and working heel it's yeah. it's so therapeutic, genuinely. Like yeah. to just to go out there and give some grief to the general public back. Like it, it's not the specific people that have been into the bar and and sort of rattled your cage, but you can release that tension that's been building. Right. Honestly, like <laughs> I would highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So you you usually work babyface? Is yeah. that your actual preference? Uh, I wouldn't say it's a preference, but uh, it's yeah. how I've been booked primarily. Uh, yeah. I'm quite flexible in in that regard. Like, I like working heel. I like working babyface. I just like wrestling. To be fair, that's awesome. Um, that's really great. But yeah, uh, heel is uh, sorry. Babyface is how I've been primarily pushed and booked, uh, especially obviously in my hometown promotion. And when yeah. we're booked sort of elsewhere, we've we've gone to promoters and been like, "How do you want us to come across tonight?" Like, and they've turned around to us and said, "Just be yourselves." So we've been like, I've been that energetic little kid, and. I genuinely think that if you're happy to be there and if if you're giving 110% to that performance from the second you get out of that curtain to the second you're backstage, if you give your everything, that will resonate with people and people to get on board. Yeah. That's that's great, man. And and I I 100% agree with you too. And I think people can tell... Like, not just in wrestling, but in life in general, people can generally tell when someone's being fake, right? Oh, definitely. So I I think that comes off if someone is being genuine. And I think that's why a lot of people say that the most powerful gimmick is just you turned up to 100, right? Yeah. So that's uh, – I think people can really connect with people when they when they do that. And I'm, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, when I've worked babyface, it's, it's me – on my best days having the best time like imagine imagine the best night out of your life and you are just in the zone and you're vibing and and you're with all of your friends and you just you're having like the best time of your life that for me is what it's like every time i go out of that curtain it's it's just it's amazing but i uh i did a lot of um work for like I did a lot of mental health work over the past couple of years. Okay. Um, 
revolving around wrestling, actually. So it was it was quite. I got a few comments from from people saying that how I am in the ring, and then hearing me talk about mental health, like you wouldn't have put two and two together. But yeah. they've also said that um, like it's helped them quite a lot. So I did a um, I did a TED talk. Um, I think about eighteen months ago now. Okay. Where I went up to Newcastle University and I did a almost well, it was like a lecture basically. It was, or, or no, the way I described it actually was it was a completely one-sided narcissistic therapy session. Right. Because I just got up on the stage and I was like, "This is me. This is what I've been through." But wrestling's really great, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Um, and so, like, is that, like, and, and you don't have to get into it if it's too personal, but, like, were you going through, like, some sort of depression and that helps you come through it? Is that what you're talking about with mental health? Yeah, 100%. And and there's no fear of, of being too personal because, as I say, okay. one of the main reasons I speak so openly in regards to mental health is because if people don't talk, nothing changes. Right. So I've always, always been an open book. The TED Talk I gave in Newcastle was actually entitled Wrestling with My Mental Health, How Wrestling Saved My Life. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. That's that's pretty powerful, man. It was it was it was a uh, certainly an experience. It was it was really fun to, to do, to put together. I was like I was absolutely bricking it, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. So I've I've suffered with uh, depression and anxiety for I'd say most part of maybe 5 to 6 years. And I So since basically since you graduated secondary school then. Yeah, uh, my my college life was rough. Um Yeah. I had quite a lot of personal things go on to me through my college life and it and it just it rocked me a little bit. And I was diagnosed and I was on medication for depression. So I was on antidepressants for a while and anti-anxiety meds. Um, But nothing, it's going to sound really cliche and really cringe, but nothing helped more than wrestling. Yeah? No, nothing helped more. And through wrestling, I've had so many lovely opportunities to raise awareness for mental health and um so i managed to do i was able to do that ted talk in newcastle i worked uh very closely with bbc radio one and we put together a three-part documentary podcast about um me and the journey i went through uh to find wrestling and it was really cool. So they got really involved in like the storylines that were happening within the shows that I was working. So it was like, it's like a three episode long story, but it's all like wrestling storylined with a lot of personal stuff as well. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then, uh, I was contacted by a, a girl. Was it last year? Okay. Yeah, I think so. It must've been last, last November. So nearly a year ago now, I was contacted by a girl who was like, I have seen so much of your mental health work 
I've 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 seen your TED talk. I've I've listened to your podcast with the BBC, and she said to me that she was running a mental health charity show. Would I like to get involved? And I was like, of course. Like that's that's basically my bread and butter. <laughs> like wrestling yeah. and mental health. Like I'm there. Yeah. You don't have to ask me twice. And that girl ended up raising, I think, four and a half thousand pounds that was given split between Mind and Papyrus. So Papyrus is a prevention of young suicide charity and Mind is a mental health charity. Wow, that that is absolutely incredible. And to be able to use something that you're so passionate about and something you absolutely love to be able to to work towards and work with something that you're passionate about and something that you absolutely love. I mean, that is an amazing opportunity, man. Genuinely. Like I could not, I could not have been happier. It, it still stands now. Um, it still stands now to me as one of the best experiences of my life, that charity show. Um, but <laughs> not only because it combined like my passion for mental health awareness and raised a hell of a lot of money for some really, really well-deserved charities. And I got to wrestle as well. But the girl that, um, ran the show and, um, sort of had the initial idea to, to raise money for charity through with a wrestling show, uh, fast forward sort of a year to present day, that's my girlfriend. Oh, that's adorable. It's lovely. And she's the that's, best. That's terrific, dude. <laughs> yeah. I think it was like, it was a lot of like sort of shared passion for the same things. That is basically a fairy tale ending. It's lovely. And and she's lovely. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad, man. I'm so glad you're happy. That's 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 a huge step, right? When you're when you're dealing with depression. Yeah, completely. And it's not. So I, I was always told, when when you're in that hole, when you're in that rut, and you feel that you can't get out, like it's so easy to turn around and say, "Well, see the bigger picture. Like it's not going to be like this forever." But just take twenty four hours at a time. Take every yeah. day as it comes, because every day is different. And you may not wake up feeling any different to the way you did the day before, but every day is a journey and every day is unique. So just experience that. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's really cool. So I I hate to, it's going to be hard to move past that and go, all right, tell me about this wrestling thing. (laughs) We do, we have a couple more things to go through, but man, that is just so absolutely powerful. It's very difficult for me not to end the podcast on that because it's, it's beautiful. No, thank you. It really is. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's do, um, let's do a lightning round on a couple things. Okay. Uh, what's your finisher? So I hit a, uh, you know, the BME. So it's a springboard moonsault. I've been using yeah, my Christopher finish. Daniels, man. Yeah, Christopher Daniels. But I've also been, uh, so I use that as uh, as a main finish. And then there's like okay. a signature. I've been hitting uh, like the reverse uh, roundhouse. So like Alistair Black's Black Mass. Yeah. Um, 
and I've I've been told that it's one of the best moves that I do because like the accuracy that I hit people with is is ridiculous. It mm. all, like it, it usually looks good. So I've, th- those are my those are my two sort of go to moves. That's awesome. <clears throat> those are both very very cool. What about uh, what about your theme song? Do you have uh, one that we might know from a band, or is it like something that you had you know you made yourself, or how how does it work? Because I know you have your own band. Do you come out to your own music? Uh, I don't come out to my own music, or, or I haven't yet come out to my own music. Mainly because yeah. the band that uh, well, that's right. You said it started in February. Right? Yeah, we started the band in February, and uh, yeah. we've already released two singles this year through lockdown, and we're hoping to get another single out by the end of the year with a music video. So, so that's sort of keep your ears peeled because that's going to be something special. Awesome. But obviously, before that, before we started the band, um, I haven't wrestled really since the band started because of coronavirus. Yeah. Um, so my entrance music is Queens of the Stone Age. You think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire. That's an amazing song. It's an absolute belter. It's a tune. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so great. Is that a band you look up to? Uh, they, to be fair, like they're they're a band that always sticks in my head. So when I was mm-hmm. a kid, I grew up watching a lot of uh, when I when I wasn't watching wrestling, I was watching a lot of. Uh, we had a station called Kerrang, uh, and it was a like a rock music channel, and it seemed to cycle over like the same sort of a dozen songs every day. Yeah, um, and it was it was stuff like uh, Slipknot, Duality, and yeah. System of oh, a Down, Chop Suey. So it was yeah. really sort of absolute anthems that you know were going to go down well but it was the same stuff over and over again yeah and the one song that always stood out to me because it was a little bit different than the metal anthems was queens of the stone age uh no one knows oh, that's a great song it's a yeah so i like as a kid i remember going to hmv in the middle of grimsby town center and buying uh queens of the stone age's album songs for the deaf which I still rate as one of the best. Terrific album. Yeah. And obviously the the first track on on that, the opening track, is You Think I Ain't Worth a Dollar. So it seemed only fitting. Yeah. That makes, I mean, and and it kind of fits, right, with the gimmick? Yeah, 100%. It's very boom, in your face, fast tempoed, and it's like I'll, I'll come out and I headbang and, and like high five all the everyone that's there and, and just make my way around the ring but it's it it, it does it genuinely gets me pumped <laughs> yeah that's awesome dude and i'm assuming it probably does the same as the crowd i watched uh, uh a tag with you and cole versus uh johnny storm and i can't remember the guy's name flesher i think was his last name johnny storm and jody fleisch again like yeah okay one of another one of my all-time favorite matches i've ever had it was first of all, it was spectacular, but secondly, going to the fans, like they, every time you headbang, like they were absolutely freaking out. Like it was you, you were definitely over with that crowd, one hundred percent. I appreciate <laughs> that, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ask you a really hard question. Okay. If you could wrestle anybody from any point in wrestling history, who would that person be and why? Oh, that is it is difficult. It is difficult. Could I give my answer 
as a tag team and as a singles? You absolutely can. Okay. So, as a singles wrestler, my all-time idol and someone that I'd love to share a ring with is Chris Jericho. Yeah. Because that makes sense. He's a rock star and a professional wrestler. A hundred percent. And that's all I've ever aspired to be. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, he, Chris Jericho is my all time favorite wrestler. Like hands down the way yeah. he's developed himself and kept himself relevant for nigh on three decades now. And he's held like main event gold in every, I'd say like, every big relevant company like his stuff with wcw his stuff with wwe new japan and now aew like yeah. the bloke is just an icon so yeah. yeah that's that's my singles uh my tag i'm i'm just gonna put myself in a match and, and just change a match in history okay it would be me and Cole versus Edge and Christian versus the Hardys versus the Dudleys in that TLC match. So Fatal 4-Way TLC. Yeah. It's that TLC. Like, everyone knows what you're talking about. Everyone knows that, that TLC. One of the greatest matches of all time. Ha- Multiple greatest matches of all time. 100%. They had th- three of them, I think. And then they added, uh, I think it was Benoit and Jericho in the last one, but... Yeah, no one really talks about that one because of Benoit and everything that happened. So that one was also terrific. Yeah, so I, I definitely, I'd, as as a tag wrestler, I'd put myself in there. That's yeah, yeah, that's a good choice, dude. One hundred percent. So before we before we go, do you have any cool stories that you want to share? Um, <laughs> I know we've done a lot. It's okay. If you don't have um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so obviously through wrestling and things, um, there's a lot of things that, that revolve around wrestling as well. So uh, we actually we work as a ring hire crew as well. Okay. So there's a company in Liverpool called TNT, and they mm-hmm. hire out uh, BWR's ring. So we drive it from the east coast to the west coast in... so i'm gonna i'm gonna pause right there to explain for our u.s listeners when you say hire out that means you're basically renting it out so you're letting someone yeah. else use it yeah so yeah. they they rent our ring and we it's like it's usually a very long day so yeah. we start at half eight nine in the morning and it's take the ring down load the ring into a van drive to liverpool which from grimsby is two hours 40 minutes yeah uh which to americans that won't seem like that'll seem like a like a commute to work because you guys right. you guys drive <laughs> like hours and hours but mm-hmm. like you've got to think england's not that big <laughs> no it's not so we're not we're not used to long drives yeah so like driving almost three hours to liverpool uh we then set the ring up and wait for the show to start we get to watch the show, we take the ring down, load it back in the van, and we drive home. So we'll start our day at about 9, and we will get home at maybe 2, 3 in the morning. Oh my god! So it's a long day. 
so we we're doing ring hire for TNT one show, and uh, we'd we'd all set the ring up, and um, everything was fine. The show was going on, and it got to I think the. F- first match back after the interval so we'd gone round to the ring we'd done all of our checks to make sure that like no boards had popped or like the ropes hadn't slackened or anything like that so we'd done all of our like ring crew checks and it was the first match back after the interval five ten minutes in top rope snaps oh no so my heart like falls out of my eyes my heart starts racing yeah. and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Um, Cause obviously like they look at us like as, as the experts of our own ring. Yeah. And I was like, well, this has never happened to me before. So <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just as shocked as you guys are. Did you have extra ropes? No. Oh no. So uh, we waited for that match to finish. Luckily, the lads that wrestled that match were like very well experienced guys, and it didn't hinder them too much. Like it, it obviously it wasn't easy, but it didn't. I, w- I wouldn't say it, it took away from from anything from the show. Yeah. So we took the rope off the ring uh, as quick as we could, and we moved the middle rope to the top and the bottom rope to the middle, so they still had the the two sort of main ropes that you'd need. Uh, yeah. the match following and we did maybe the quickest repair job uh, I say we I didn't have a clue what was going on Yeah, um, it was actually the girls that were booked on the card they were booked from Scotland uh, so they, they were ICW workers primarily and they'd come down for TNT yeah. So I'm I'm going to say it was Molly Spartan and Casey Owens that massively massively helped me out because I was I was yeah. preoccupied having like borderline fighting off an anxiety attack yeah um but like we all we all muddled together and and those women like genuinely like they know their stuff and we had that rope stripped repaired and taped back up within one match that's absolutely insane and then it was a quick short break whilst we reattached the rope uh and then it was the main event so we managed to like fix the well fix the the disaster that went wrong uh that could have been sort of fatal to the show and yeah. turn it round and bring it back for the main event. So I was, I was like, <laughs> I, I must admit, like I had to go outside and have, like, after we'd repaired it, I like, I'm, I must have missed the first five minutes of the main event because I had to go outside and do some breathing exercises because I was stressed. I don't blame you. <laughs> That's crazy. But no, I, it was brilliant. I mean, I've seen, I've seen videos of ropes like snapping before, but like, I, I've never seen it live, and I couldn't imagine something like that happening. In an indie show, while you're there, and the booker like looks at you, and he's like, "Hey, man, why, uh, why, why is your ring breaking?" Like that's oh, that's, honestly, everything everything went into slow motion. Everything went into slow motion. Yeah, I like it was full on like, 
full on moments of like my head in my hands and my mouth open and my wa- and my eyes widening and I was like this is not happening and then I look at the promoter and he looks at me and he's like in more explicit terms than this what's going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and I was like dude don't worry I'll fix this and I had no idea how I was going to fix that <laughs> But luckily, as I say, the, the, the girls that were there absolutely did me a solid there and bailed me out. And the promoter was very, very happy. Um, he actually pulled me to one side afterwards and he turned to me and he was like, I think you handled that very, very professionally, very, very well. And I just want to say that you're a credit to your work. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hope you said that to the girls backstage as well. <laughs> But to say you you uh, you're a bartender. I'm sure you bought them a drink later, right? A hundred percent. Or if I didn't, I certainly That's... owe them one. <laughs> That's incredible, man. That's incredible. So, is there? Do you have any shows coming up anytime soon, or is the pandemic still got all that stuff shut down for you? Uh, I've actually got bookings for next year, which okay. is amazing. I I'm I really glad. Have, I'm I'm super glad. I would not have thought that. Well, to be fair, I, I didn't know if, if the wrestling scene in the UK was going to recover um, yeah. because I know that obviously if we aren't running shows, companies aren't making money. So right. like, I, I, there's, a, there's quite a few promotions that have gone under um, or yeah. I know for a fact that are, that are certainly struggling. So I'm, I'm yeah. very, very grateful that there are like people out there that, have, that are pulling together and making it work no matter what. But I've got yeah. um, I've got bookings in Leeds for a promotion called Tidal, so Tidal Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm booked every month from March through to September. Um, so you can catch me in Leeds for Tidal, and I know that. BWR British Wrestling Revolution will be back up and running in Cleethorpes in March time as well. So you can okay. catch me at those shows. Are those shows monthly as well? Uh, monthly, every six weeks. But yeah, so okay. Like there's a there's at least a couple of promotions that I that I've got solid work with next year, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah, well that's really great, man. I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, I mean. I know that's still almost half a year away, but I'm really glad to know that, you know, things are going to be picking back up eventually. A hundred percent. The world's hopefully at some point going to get back to normal, right? Uh, we can only hope, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hopefully in the mm-hmm. not so distant future. Like I feel like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just, it's still a trek to get to. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know we can see it, but it's still a ways off. Yeah. So uh, tell me about uh, any merch you got and please share your, your social media as well. So you can find uh, any merchandise that is going out there at the minute at, uh, let me just pull up the link. It is bwrshop.bigcartel.com. And okay. that has got the, uh, any merch that I've released previously. And it's got a lot of my homeboys merch um but yeah so if you could head over to the bwrshop.bigcartel.com and just at least check some stuff out i mean you could buy a shirt it, it takes them out of the boxes that are in my house 
Like, right. I, I need the room. <laughs> Whether you wear it or not, it's another another like debate. I mean, you could use that as a duster, but just get it out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are some really really cool designs on that website, and uh, obviously it's helping the, the my hometown promotion, and obviously us independent workers as well. <clears throat> but you can find me on social media. On Twitter, I am at Scotty Rourke. That's S-C-O-T-T-Y-R-A-W-K. And on Instagram, I am Rourke and Wrestling. So that's R-A-W-K-N Wrestling. <laughs> that's terrific, man. That's really cool. Scotty, thank you so much, not only for spending all this time with us, uh, especially when it's so late over in the UK, but specifically for sharing your mental health journey and you know what you guys are doing to raise awareness and raise funds like that that's not something that i knew you did and that means a lot that is a really cool story and it's a really big blessing for for people that uh you guys have been able to help no thank you very much thanks for letting me ramble on like Well, I had an absolute blast, and most of the time when I have fun during the interview, people will tell me that was a really good interview. So, uh, no, I'm glad uh, it's been I, it's I been a that, pleasure. It's been lovely to talk yeah. to you. Yeah, man, it's been absolutely great, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Andy Focus with Mr. Scotty Rock. Rock, I can't do it. <laughs> Scotty Rock, that's the best I can do. The best I can do. It's <laughs> good enough for me. You can hey. follow, yes, sir. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleLifeMatt. You can follow all of us on Instagram and Facebook at WrestleLifeRadio and on Twitter at WrestleLifePod. Ladies and gentlemen, remember to hashtag support indie wrestling by indie merch. And we hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day.